There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 24th, 2013. For newcomers, please make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find lots of audios for free download and I take you through the system that you're born into to show you how complete it is. There's nothing happenstance about it. There's no left wing, right wing and so on. It's a complete system, integrated system designed a long time ago to serve the ultra-rich of the day and other descendants, of course. And that's the way it was planned and it's the way it's supposed to be. So we're living through the big, big changes, of course, as they bring in the global society and restructure of society to suit them. This is just one phase of it, too, until they get right into the, into the creation of new kinds of humans to serve them better down the road. It's very, very simple, in fact. And even their own uh, think tanks that deal uh, with their Department of Defenses uh, have said this over the years, that... Um, Eventually, uh, they'll crowd all the people into the, the overcrowded cities to, to let them die off up to the year 2050 or so. And uh, that's from the Department of Defense think tank for Britain and NATO. And it was first published in The Guardian about 2008 or so. And it's in my website at uh, archive at cuttingthreemedics.com. So we really are going through plan changes. These guys, when they, when they come out with this stuff, they never change their plans, you understand? They never change their plans. And you can take, take that to the bank. It's the only thing you can and get back out again. But anyway, at cuttingthroughthemedics.com, you can get oh, well over a thousand audios for free download where it takes you through the system and, and many of the other things attached to the system, the, the kind of mind control, the conditioning, the programming we get daily by so many different uh, sources all on board with each other naturally. And repetition, of course, of the same things becomes reality for the general public. It's very simple indeed. Very simple. So help yourself to that. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. And you can help me take along here by getting the books and discs at CuttingThroughMedias.com because I don't sell anything else. I don't sell lots of products from advertisers, which I could do certainly and be much, much happier. At least I wouldn't be in a statement right now. As I say, so you can help support me and uh, pay for all the costs that this costs here because I've got a whole bunch of websites up there and uh, I need them in fact because sometimes uh, I get uh, trouble with the main main servers therefore I've always got alternate sites to put things up on at the end of the broadcast from the US to Canada remember you can still use personal checks to order the books and discs and from uh, you can also use from the US international postal money orders from the post office you can send cash or you can use PayPal across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through inflation. And some of you have noticed too that I've got a couple of days off a week to do get my wood in for the winter. Awfully important thing to do. A lot of setbacks this year, but um, I'm, I'm kind of gradually getting there too. 
but uh, it's awfully, awfully important uh, because last year I was running out of wood big time. I guess rather chilly, as you well know, in this part of Canada, especially that you're getting longer winters than ever before, and they come on earlier too in the year. I mean, it's already here, so technically, it's already here at this time of year. And people in this area have had fires on for the last few weeks, uh, a month, in fact. Well, I go through the system. I go through the system you're born into, as I say. And the system was complete a long time ago. Generations have grown up never knowing it existed, uh, even before it came out officially under the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the private club club that the big boys own, also called the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, even before that, they were called the Milner Group, Lord Alfred Milner Group, and other names before that too. These guys were working into the, 18, into the 1800s and early 1900s, uh, changing the face of the world, using empires uh, to to go to war, to take over and plunder supplies of minerals uh, and various other things too. Today it's oil, of course, and minerals as well. And they, they fomented war always by st- setting up the war, getting the war started privately, by the way, using um, mercenaries and so on, uh, and, and always blaming the other people across the sea somewhere for causing it. Then the British Army would get involved and get sent over there, paid for by the taxpayer. Uh, the taxpayer would then lay the railway lines so that the loot could be plundered forever out of the country to the big boys who own it, who now owned it. And nothing's changed. Today we go in there, we do the same thing, we build refineries for the big private companies and, uh, and the taxpayers pay for it all and BP and all the big boys get the oil for pretty well nothing. So we're, we're living through the same old strategy because the US took over as the main so-called policeman of the world, it means plunderer of the world really. And that's what these wars are all about across the Middle East. Of course, they have geopolitical strategies on the go, too, because there's countries there, too, that the U.S. is friendly with, and they want to take out all possible enemies, even if they're not enemies yet. That's part of the tradition. First strike, I guess, what they came up with, with Gulf War One, and then the rest of them that followed first strike. If they suspect uh, the problems down the road, like the, com- the, the country might not like uh, oil pipelines getting put through their land or something, uh, then they might become your enemies. So rather than wait for them, just just strike them now. Anyway, we've lived through so many cons. It's just unbelievable that, that the stuff is getting put out as news. And um, even from Britain with all this stuff in Kenya, uh, and uh, I looked through so much of I thought most of this is rubbish and and slanted. Uh, and obviously trying to blame a particular group, uh, which sounds absurd, this particular group. And um, it's, again, it's to get the white Muslim idea across too, that nothing's safe across the world now. My God, you could be a secret Muslim without even knowing it yet, you see. It's working on your subconscious, and then eventually you just break out into one just like that. Well, we up like one in the morning. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense they're pushing out there, you see. Because for the rest of your lives, you're going to live under this guise of anti-terrorism laws. For the rest of your life, that's planned. And on into the, the future, even beyond that. To get the big changes through, where government takes over its proper job, according to the big authorities that created it in the first place, um, then they must convince the public that authoritarian rule is the most efficient rule in days of crisis. You can't have democracy, they say, the Club of Rome, because democracy has too many competing parties all conflicting with each other what they want. And so to get things through in an age of crisis after crisis, my God, it's, it's all we've heard is crisis, right? Then you've got to have an authoritarian system with experts, 
non-elected experts who simply get on the, on the ball and fix it all as it happens, basically. That's the idea that they're, they're using here to get you all used to it. Most folk are already used to it. They don't mind, they don't mind, um, bending over airports and so on. As, as true what Darwin said, humans are the most adaptable species on the planet. And in ways that you never imagine until it actually happens. And they're so compliant and obedient because we've been trained that way, you see. So anyway, that's where I go through. And remember too, on my website, you can also get, uh, apart from the audios, you can get transcripts in English for print up of a lot of the talks I've given over the years. And if you go into Alan Watts Sentient, sentinel.eu, you can get transcripts in other languages. But we've never gone through such a, this is a final phase of, of one part of it, uh, that we're going through today. I've read articles from, about perpetual war from the, from the papers that are put out by the U.S. Army magazine. And, uh, that's what they said there. It was perpetual war across the world. And get used to it sort of idea. And it's here. And most folk have got used to it because it hasn't really hit them as coming home yet, even though it is already home. Because the guys coming out of the military for years and years have been going right into the police forces to militarize the police. And that's why they don't talk to you like a human being anymore. They simply scream at you as though they were still in the army, you see. Or, or that you're, you're the so-called raghead, as they like to call the guys over there in the, the Arabic countries. So this is all by design, folks. It's not happening by itself. It's all from the top, the capstone, all the way down. Those who already own the world. That's who it's from. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system which is always very deceptive because, remember, you can never ever forget the mainstream media has always been part of the establishment's way of ruling us all. They give us our opinions, our ideas, they decide what information we're going to get, how to doctor the information, how to spin it, and so on, and then everyone else parrots it. So we're going to always keep that in mind. And what's news for the day isn't really often news at all, or else it's not the news that's very important. The important stuff is often kept quiet by order. And there's even an article like that I'll put up tonight, uh, I'll go through it too, what happened in Britain, uh, but the Prime Minister when uh, the bank crashed, well, supposedly crashed there. So, anyway, back to Syria, which is the next country to be plundered, of course. And uh, it says the events in Syria are alarming not only for the oil market, but also antiques market participants who are familiar with the shocks that emerged in this market segment during invasions of U.S. forces in the Middle East. She says, Pravda asked uh, experts whether we should expect a collapse in prices for artifacts in connection with their increase in the black market by the Americans. Now remember, too, before they went into Iraq, they had a, a documentary on the Canadian television uh, interviewing uh, different, uh, very, very rich people who, who collected private antiquities to do with, uh, especially to do with uh, Egypt, for instance, and of course in the, the Iraqi artifacts too in the museum. And of course they were all looted, sure enough. And the guys who, who was doing the, the thing in, in, in the States uh, to get buyers for things, before they even invaded Iraq, he was getting buyers for all these different things, and the photographs of all the things in the, in the museum. Sure enough, it was all looted, you know. A lot of it was fenced through Israel, it said in the British papers afterwards. 
But anyway, it says here, the U.S. military has not yet invaded Syria, which is engulfed in a civil war, and the possibility of such a turn of events is unlikely at this time because the Syrian authorities keep bringing the evidence that chemical weapons were used by the rebels. However, today connoisseurs of rare items and objects of mysterious eastern countries expect a new surge in the antiques market caused by the desire of the American soldiers to get rich. As his looting is quite common for soldiers of the U.S. in the countries where they come to ostensibly restore order and peace. This became known after the landing of the soldiers in Iraq. During the Iraq War, the Americans have established or they established cross-border supply of cultural values and subsequently were either kept as trophies or sold to some connoisseurs of rare things. Experts estimate that during combat actions, nearly 200,000 items of art and culture, much of which is of value not only for Iraq itself but for the entire history of the world, were stolen from the Iraqi museums such as Baghdad, Mosul and others. The Iraqis likely contribute to the looting of cultural valuables. However, it's assumed that private collectors and dealers of stolen goods are behind the looting of artifacts. As noted by the U.S. Department of State uh, Security Officer uh, James, uh, James Hayes Jr., the legal trade of cultural valuables is the third seg- segment of the black market in terms of volume and profitability. Valuables are stolen not only from museums and libraries, but also from ruined private homes. Therefore, contraband is classified into three categories, art and rare antiques, objects found in archaeological sites, and military paraphernalia. The proliferation of black markets, particularly in Europe and the U.S., is largely due to the unstable political situation typical for the Middle Eastern countries in recent years. Residents of the countries beset by civil war and revolutionary events collaborate with resellers and send viable cultural objects across the border for the purpose of sale. And it goes on and on and on. Nothing's changed in thousands of years, folks. You know, nothing's changed at all. The lies are better because they have think tanks that work on giving you lies. I mean, that's the, part of the intelligence agencies. Also, this article too, we know, we know too that, uh, that the, the massive push has been going on for, since the days of Rockefeller setting up all his non-governmental organizations for the environment, save the environment. It's all to get power for a few over the rest of us and the world, by the way, with the land and everything control people through all all the, the natural resources uh, and so on and so on, including water as well, and then down to your food eventually, and that's what was happening too. But uh, the big, big push, the big stick has put us all to comply in an ongoing war to save us all. It's a war to save us all, you understand. Remember the Club of Rome was given the task of finding some reason to bring in this war that was going to save us all. We'd have to go all be in the war, in other words, involved in the war. Big changes had to be made. Authoritarian society had to be created, and, and the authorities would, would uh, stop at cajoling the public and pretending with them anymore. They'd just tell you what to do. Well, the Club of Rome in the 1970s said they were given the task by the United Nations, and they came up with the idea that uh, plague and, and famine uh, and, and uh, weather alterations would fit the bill, basically. And they were going to stick with that. And they're still stuck with it today, claiming that we're destroying the planet because of, of the, uh, the weather's changing and so on and so on. Climate change, and it's all our fault. So we all have to come together and now we're at war to save ourselves. So it says here, now the latest IPCC reports that came out uh, 
which is from the United Nations, of course, who have lied consistently over the years about their stuff. Remember, it's a big, big agenda back in this, and they can't fail. If they fail, it's not good news for them, because this is one of the biggest organizations behind them all, and all the big foundations that funded them and set them up, and, and even set up the United Nations, all these private foundations. That's who owns them, by the way, the private foundations. But it says 95% of intelligent people know that that the new IPCC report is utter drivel. And it says, well, of course the RS says, if there's one overriding prerequisite for every new IPCC assessment report is to sound even more scary and urgent and certain than its predecessor. Professor Bob Carter noted this progression in his excellent book called Climate, the Counter Consensus. And it says, the first assessment report was 1990. The observed 20th century temperature increase could be largely due to natural variability. That was the first report. Second assessment report, 1996. The balance of the evidence suggests a discernible human influence on climate. Third assessment said, in 2001, there is new and stronger evidence that most of the warming observed over the last 50 years is attributable to human activities. The fourth assessment, 2007, most of the observed increase in globally average temperatures since the mid-20th century is very, very likely, that's 90% probable, due to the observed increase in anthropogenic man-made greenhouse gas concentrations. The irony is, of course, that the third, fourth and fifth assessment reports were all produced in a period of rising CO2 levels in which there has been no global warming whatsoever. And that's true as well. You'd imagine that had the scientific method been more highly valued by the IPCC, this rather glaring flaw in AG and you know, anthropogenic global warming theory might have afforded more prominence. But this is not the IPCC assessment reporter's job. As Christopher Brooker and others have often noted, the IPCC's reports are essentially political artifacts rather than scientific ones. This is why some governments, including Germany's and Belgium's, have been manoeuvring behind the scenes to have the new IPCC report sexed up. That's why they try to sex it up. The scientific reality that global warming has paused for 15 years, that climate sensitivity appears to be far smaller than the scaremongering computer models predicted, cannot be allowed to derail all the expensive and intrusive programs from wind farms to green investment banks to hideouts. Uh, flickery, dull, low-energy light bulbs, which have been introduced in order to combat climate change. Because I say we're at war, according to the Club of Rome, remember? I don't think many of my colleagues in the Fourth Estate have actually covered themselves in glory in exposing what looks increasingly like the biggest pseudo-scientific scam in history. This is Lysenkoism, for all its faults, at least confirmed it's, uh, confined itself to the communist bloc. This one has affected the whole world. On the contrary, they have acted as its cheerleaders. That's what the media does. Reporting each new report as uncritically as perhaps a journalist diligently covering the dazzling brilliance, humanitarian insight of Comrade Stalin's latest five-hour speech on improved wheat yields and tractor productions. And it says, Andrew Bolt has been facing similar problems in Australia, especially with the irredeemably left-wing state broadcaster ABC. Since for years, most in the mainstream media don't, didn't just refuse to question the great global warming scare, but howled down the few who dared to. Journalists became propagandists, even witch hunters, and the biggest cabal of them gathered in the ABC. Four years ago, 
I was a panelist in ABC's Inside Program and mentioned the warming pause. And I'll say what happened there when I come back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system and reading an article by James Dalingpole to do with uh, the, the global warming scam. And understand what's behind all of this. It's not just the fact that they've been using chemtrails and so on and geoengineering the planet, etc. There's a lot more going on behind the scenes than that, even in front of your eyes when the chemtrails come down, what's it doing to you and so on and so on. But the fact is all the reasons for doing all this stuff are, are going out the window. There's no, that they can't validate them at all. And, and we're in a cooling phase for, have been for 15 years. But I remember, too, I've read the articles here where some of the top politicians have said it doesn't matter if it's a scam. Uh, this is going to help spread aid across the world, so your cash across the world to make you more global and all this kind of stuff, too. So it's a very big political agenda behind the, the con that they're using for it. Anyway, Darling Paul's talking about ABC Australia, too, and he says, he says, for instance, four years ago, I was a panelist on the ABC's Insider program and mentioned the, the warming pause. The fellow panelist David Marr asked me not to refer to it again and then ostentatiously buried his head in a newspaper. Marr, of course, was a former host of the ABC's Media Watch, which for years, under various hosts, hounded warming skeptics and gave the flanneries who championed it a free pass. The other panelist was Annabel Crabb, now an ABC host. She, too, demanded we talk about something else, and at another insider show mocked my quoting of scores of studies which showed the warming theory wasn't working out, as Alexa Flannery claimed. She said, you put a million posts on your blog about some new study from the University of East uh, Bumcrack, she says. Uh, as her, her scoffnum. Then, of course, there was the Guardian Observer, whose relentlessly hysterical, unfeelingly inc- uncritical coverage of the global warming scare is sharply analysed, and it gives you the link uh, by Bell, Ben Powell and how it begins. It is in today's Observer, Robin Mackay channels scientists. This is climate scientists IPCC issues start warning over global warming, and. Um, and they call for the people to stop dithering about using fossil fuels and just cut it out. Uh, it says, there's now part of the ritual established by the Guardian whenever the routine uh, scheduled, planned, expected and timetabled publishing of IPCC assessment reports or the UNFCCC uh, COP meetings occur. These events are in every case presented as always new, more comprehensive, deeper and more stark. Uh, than previous announcements on climate change, even when the reports say very little or nothing at all that is new, and even suggest that things aren't as bad as previously thought. And it's not the truth of it, too. They keep up putting these... And I've read the articles here over the years from the from top people in all these organizations are giving us a scare. And and it's just unbelievable, all the little quotes. Uh, I may even put them up tonight again. Uh, where they admit that they're calling the public... But they've got to really terrify the public, they say, to get all these political changes through and these social changes through, etc., etc., etc. That's what it's all about. And every year they, they say we give out scarier, scary stories to the public. It's the only way we can get through to them, give them scary stories. 
we're all going to die because you're causing global warming because you breathe. Mind you, the big boys behind them, backing them all, all the big international corporations, have all got their big banks set up and their green banks and all the rest of it to, to, to make a killing of us all as we die off being killed. Also, this article too is mainly online. It says, world's top climate scientists told to cover up the fact that the Earth's temperature hasn't risen for the last 15 years. Now, there's good science for you. The scientists are told to cover up the fact the Earth's temperature hasn't risen for the last 15 years. The leaked United Nations report reveals the world's temperature hasn't risen for the last 15 years. Politicians have raised concerns about the final draft and fears that the findings will encourage deniers of man-made climate change. So scientists working on the most authoritative study on climate change were urged to cover up the fact that the world's temperature hasn't risen for 15 years. This is published next week, and it's expected to address the fact that 1998 was the hottest year on record and world temperatures have not yet exceeded it, which scientists have so far struggled to explain. <laughs> the report is the result of six years' work by the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is seen as the world authority, which, and that's a real joke, it's a real joke, that, that organisation, on the extent of climate change and what's causing it on which governments, including Britain, base their green policies. Well, climate's always changed up and down, back and forth, back and forth, you see. But remember, too, there's a political agenda and a social agenda behind all this to change the way we live, folks, and to bring you into austerity, too, and to make you pay an awful lot more money uh, to, get to receive an awful lot less of things that are essential to you, like food and water, because big businesses are, have taken the world's water supply over and the food supply. And energy of all kinds. They'll give you a lot less and charge enough a lot more. It's all planned that way. It's always, always the same thing. Where it's war on a physical war or psychological war on the public, it's all uh, economic and economic interest of the big boys who rule. That's always been the way. That's what's behind everything. Now, again, we know that they're always giving us articles about how we're, we're, we're being monitored and so on. New Intel chips contain backdoor processor, which is hackable even when computer is turned off. Well, haven't they been done doing that already? How long have they really been putting backdoor? Probably from the very beginning, folks. And it says, um, so it says, so you think no one can access your data because the computer is turned off? It's more, it's more turned, it's more than turned off. You even took the main hard drive out and only the backup disk is inside. There's no operating system installed at all, so you know you're safe, it says. And it says, um, in the sky, they're talking about Frank from across the streets and alternative operating systems, hobbyists, and he has tons of computers. His free BSD on a couple, his own compilation of Linux and other, another Mac for the, for his wife, and even has Solaris on yet another. Frank knows system security, so he cannot be hacked, or so he thinks. Now, the government does not like Frank much because they love to look at everything. Privacy is a crime, don't you know? And it looks like Frank's luck with privacy is about to run out. The new Intel Core V Pro processors contain a new remote access feature which allows 100% remote access to a PC 100% of the time, even if the computer is turned off. Core V Pro processors contain a second physical processor embedded within the main processor, which is its own operating system embedded on the chip itself. As long as the power supply is available and in working condition, it can be woken up by the Core V Pro processor, which runs on the system's phantom power and is able to quietly turn 
uh, individual hardware components on and access anything on them. This is being touted as something that makes IT administration easy. It is being advertised as something that will allow IT professionals the ability to remotely troubleshoot a PC. They really want to make sure that it's working all right, you understand? Because they care about you. They can troubleshoot a PC no matter what's wrong with it. It allows IT professionals to view, review the contents of the hard drives, check the memory, or hunt for problems on a machine without actually being in front of it. And so that, this is I call BS, outside of snooping, is only real-world applications would involve accessing a recovery partition and restoring the computer to go uh, to, to out-of-box state, installing software outside the knowledge of the main operating system, and secretly placing or deleting files. So I'll put this article up tonight to uh, just more affirmation of what we already know, folks. Everything's the same, though. I mean, everything out there is the same. has been since 95 that they admit to. Also, in Britain, uh, where they're really pushing... Um, see, the, the, the National Health Service isn't what you think it is. It never is. Nothing is what you think it is from government. There's always also ulterior motives for things. When they brought the National Health Service, um, they also wanted to, to really push the big world uh, agreement that come to of depopulation through abortions and unwanted children and so on. They also wanted to bring in mass inoculation. Uh, this was even brought up when the League of Nations, the precursor of the, the United Nations came in. They said that in the, in the League of Nations that eventually the whole world will be taught and trained to take uh, all their shots, all their injections that we're going to come up with and, and they keep coming up with new types and new boosters and eventually you get annual boosters all through your life. And, that, and that's been repeated even today. You understand how, how old these plans are, folks? Anyway, that's what they also want National Health Service for because it's not a service, it's an authority, you see. And when it's authority, it, it tells you what you must do and mustn't do. Come in and get these shots. It's been mandated by the government. Anyway, They've got the huge database too, so it's also an ID database for everyone in the country with your history on it. It's got your, your DNA in it. It's got your whole family's uh, private history on it. It's all the ancestors can dig out to find out what ailments they were possibly having and so on. And this will be used eventually. This was talked about in sci-fi movies 40 years ago. Eventually, uh, they'll, they'll say who can, who can have a child and who cannot. They'll say to you, well, you can't. You see, your, your great-great-great-great-grandpa there had a, had a particular gene. It was a dominant gene, and it might just come out in the wrong mating, etc., etc. This is all, all planned, folks. So here's the database set up, the National Health Service database in Britain, and forced them to send confidential patient records to private firms who all get a hold of it. I understand that the big decisions for government are made by private organizations. Always have been. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking about National Health Services. Never ever was it intended to to give you what you thought it was going to be for. These are social uh, agendas for political purposes uh, by those who run and own us all, basically. 
as I said, they get, once they get your, your DNA and all the rest of it, it's in there, it's compared to a whole set of other, other variables and so on. You might, might, might meet up with so and so and so and so. And, and down the road, your, your child will be this, that, and the other, a, a problem for the state, etc., etc. You shouldn't have children. Therefore, they'll make it illegal for certain people to, to, to do so. That's coming. That is definitely on the cards that I've talked about so many times. Anyway, under the new general uh, practice extraction services, they call it, doctors will be forced to send confidential uh, patient records to a central national database. The idea is a pet project of Health Secretary Germany Hunt, who argues that sharing GP records with universities and private companies will be a valuable, uh, be valuable for medical research and screening for common diseases, which is always a lie, you know. But GPC, the National Health Service England, has failed to tell patients about the care.data scheme or to promote it properly. And it says here that um, they get no choice at all, the general public, no choice at all. Now are the, are the doctors who have been told to send all your details ongoing in real time right to the central database. I think Canada's already got that. They said that up years ago. And um, it says that these words prompted the Northumberland LMC to contemplate a countrywide opt-out. And other LMCs have been thinking about doing the same thing. Now, that will come with Obamacare too, because I understand National Health Service has nothing to do with what you think it is. Has to do with number one depopulation, number two, um, it can also decide down the roads uh, who can get married to who. In some places in the states, they already have to get uh, tests to see if, if uh, the, the the child, if they mate up, the child could be uh, okay, and so on. And has to go uh, worldwide eventually, and then they have to step up and step up according to well, you know, your family have never really got out the working class, you know, and there's no real working class jobs for you anymore. Do you really want to produce more working class people, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. That's coming as well. So anyway, all your data in real time, all all your little problems that you go to the doctor for, are to be given to all these uh, corporations, private businesses, and to the universities and so on. And it says here. They give you links too. It says your confidential medical records for sale at just one pound each. Uh, Hunt insists plan to sell details to private firms is vital to combat epidemics. Whatever rubbish excuse. They're getting pretty bad with their propaganda these days. But it critics fear unprecedented privacy threats. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. But anyway, uh, I'll put this up tonight for those who want to know what uh, National Health Service care is really all about. It's about total control of you and your future, and even if you're going to have offspring or not, down the road, and how many injections you must take, many vaccinations per year, uh, until they get you to annual boosters for everything under the sun. When the, the, the banks were collapsing, you know, again, our wonderful bankers are still running us, uh, and nobody went to prison, and, and they won't because you see they run the world. Uh, and they run the world, and they run governments too, the same people. Anyway, it says Gordon Brown, who was the Prime Minister of Britain, considered sending in troops as banks faced collapse, Damien McBride claims. It says Gordon Brown came within hours of sending troops onto the streets of Britain as the banks faced collapse at the start of the financial crisis. And it says, uh, on the evening before he was due to announce the part nationalisation of UK banks, in other words, they took them over because they were failing. The former Prime Minister told his spin doctor, and even used the word spin doctor here, the guys that lied to the public, he feared that there would be riots on the streets that people weren't able to access their money. Aren't they all set up now, especially in the States and elsewhere, uh, under the guise of terrorism, to, to do, deal with the same thing again? Or that, you know, really deal with it. Since fearing there would be widespread looting of shops, he raised the prospect of declaring martial law. 
He said if the banks are shutting their doors and the cash pounds aren't working and people go to Tesco and their cards aren't being accepted, the whole thing will just explode. If you can't buy food or petrol or medicine for your children, people will start uh, breaking the windows and helping themselves. And as soon as people see that on television, that's the end because everyone will think that it's okay now, just uh, what, what we have to do. This is, uh, it'll be anarchy. That's what could happen tomorrow. This is, um, I'm serious, we have to think, uh, do we have curfews or do we put the army on the streets? How do we get uh, orders back, he said. So that's what, uh, that was all. These are standard plans, mind you. Every prime minister has told about them uh, as the bankers continue to rip us off. Uh, but they'll never get They're saying to understand they're above, they're above criticism and they're above litigation. Uh, these big boys have been running the banking systems and central gov- uh, banks as well for centuries and, and their offspring as well. Also, in Holland, as we plummet down the cultural path to utter degradation, uh, but they've had uh, the so-called mobile death units in there for, for quite a few years now because they have euthanasia. It says mobile death squads to, uh, to kill the sick and elderly in their own homes lead to a surge in suicide rates in Holland. Around 3% of all deaths in the Netherlands are now by euthanasia. The country last year introduced mobile euthanasia units. Can you believe that? Well, it's here, folks. We've all to copy it, by the way. 2002 became the first country since Nazi Germany to legalize it. And this is, um, it comes after the Dutch government allowed the mobile death squads to kill sick and elderly people in their own homes. These were folk, by the way, who didn't want a lot and didn't want to be uh, killed off. Uh, and, um, you're supposed to have a choice in the matter. And the private ones initially were doing it, but, and, and private doctors too. And then, but if they think you got a chance or whatever, you could live a lot longer or whatever, uh, they, were just, they were saying no in some cases. So the government came up with these mobile units, death squads, they call them, to go around and kill them anyway. So that, that's what happens. This is all going as we become more and more advanced, you know, down the road of uh, progress, they call it. You understand what they mean by progress. It goes way back centuries to, to the early revolutions. And it says... Um, there were 4,188 deaths by euthanasia last year, counting for 3% of all deaths compared to 3,695 deaths by euthanasia in 2011. And it marks the sixth consecutive year that deaths by euthanasia have increased in the Netherlands. Well, okay, we'll keep increasing. I think they even put it in now too, for even young people to say they're a bit depressed. If they, well, you've thought about suicide. Well, yeah, you know, thought, well, we can help there. And this is all part of it too. Keep expanding the base, you see. Yeah, I'm kind of short, you know, or I'm too tall, or you know, that kind of stuff. As we all get degraded. Do you understand? There's been a war to degrade you in every possible respect for an awful long time by professional people, the most organized people on the whole planet. Another article, too, to show you how we're plummeting. I said this years ago, the whole point of TV is to gradually acclimatize you step by step and to complete uh, sex on television, real sex, even in comedies and so on will be. Well, here you go, Britain is a, is a flagship, of course. It says couples to have sex in studio for TV show intended to reclaim sex from pornography. Again, right off the bat, they give it a lie by using pornography to promote pornography. And it says, um, the sex box show will feature three couples having sex in an opaque box. That's to start with until the next step, folks, you see. It's quite simple. 
Afterwards, we'll be quizzed by Frostrup50 and panel of sex experts. What's a sex expert? Someone who goes around to, to bars or some picks up folk. What's a sex expert? Think about it, folks. She says that the pre-recorded hour-long show will be really, really mature. And this, I'll tell you, this is going to be a, a great hit because everyone, everyone's so jaded now, apparently. There's so much pornography out there. They're so jaded and they're going to all kinds of deviances and stuff. Now, I guess something like this is going to tune them in for a while. And it says that the three couples who are two straight and one homosexual will take turns to step into the opaque box before being quizzed about what they got up to by host Mariella Frostrup and a panel of sex experts. Makers of the show called Sex Box claim the program which will air on, on Channel 4 is intended to reclaim sex from pornography. Yeah, let's, let's use pornography to reclaim sex from pornography. Anyway, Fostrup 50 said she hoped the show would spark a mature, intelligent discussion about sex in Britain today. That's the reason for it, won't you? Have an intelligence, intelligent discussion uh, by getting these folk to have sex in a box as you all sit and listen and watch these movements. Since I approached it with great trepidation and degree of skepticism, particularly about why we needed the box, but ultimately I think it was really a mature, surprisingly for television, to look at a subject we've allowed to proliferate in the worst manifestation and manifestations and refuse to confront, she says. So it's really for good social purposes they're going to titillate the public to the next step. But it doesn't surprise me that was always the agenda, as the Frankfurt School said, and they promoted it from 1930s and 40s right through. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, your God, go with you. <laughs>